Army helicopter pilot Ty Koska created a personal finance software program to help him with his own finances and ultimately turned it into a successful product for the personal finance industry. On Trajectory is up next on Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Did you know that Navy Federal Credit Union serves more than just the Navy? In fact, they serve all branches of the military. For more info, go to NavyFederal.org. Hey, today we're talking with Army veteran Tyson Koska, fellow helicopter pilot. Uh, he's with On Trajectory, which is like a personal finance software. Really looking forward to hearing about that. And uh, you basically you know, created that company and wrote the software, so it's going to be interesting. So before we do that, I really want once once you go back and tell tell me tell us about your experiences in the Army. Yeah, I mean it was a. Uh... It was a while ago, so I want to make sure people people realize I was I got in in 1988, so it's been been some time, uh, and, and I'm sure things have changed a lot. But there's certainly things that are still, you know, I whenever I speak with veterans, there's a lot of common stuff that we you know we've all went through, and not the least of which is just basic and you know the the the, the, the getting started part. But um, I had a pretty good experience uh, in that I traveled the world. I went directly from high school to flight school, which mm-hmm. was just incredible. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, back in 90, when Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, uh, I didn't know that I wanted to be in a combat zone, but turned out that that was a really also very fascinating part of my life. Learn things about yourself when you're in that situation mm-hmm. and um, came back with skills that I never anticipated having from a, you know, confidence perspective or a, just a, a can do or a, a willingness to solve, solve problems. Um, it was just a, it was a wonderful experience. I had a great experience. And then I was supposed to be in for a minimum of six years. Uh, I got out a couple years early. I was only in for four years. So I was out in 92 and then I went to college. Mm-hmm. Now, interesting. You, uh, you went and you got an English and a history degree, I believe, from uh, philosophy, English and philosophy, English, English and philosophy. Okay. Yeah. So, Ridiculous degrees. Yeah. So <laughs> probably fascinating and, uh, you know, definitely um, personal improvement and, you know, definitely has its purpose, but not a whole lot of jobs uh, coming out of college. Yeah. And that was, and that was a little bit of a struggle. I, when I went to college, I thought, you know what, I, I did the past four years, um, doing what I was being told to do. And I was like, you know, I just want to just read books and learn about how to think, not what to think, which was mm-hmm. where the philosophy came in. I, I, I wasn't a huge reader when I was younger, but I enjoyed art and, and that sort of thing. And so I, that, I just went all in on that. I, I you know, I got an English degree and a mm-hmm. philosophy degree. And I think the philosophy degree definitely shaped me more because philosophy has got, you know, two real sides to it. It's got the hardcore logic component, which, you know, is almost mathematical in the way you deconstruct arguments and you look at the world. Uh, but then it's got, you know, philosophers like Nietzsche or, you know, that are very deep in human yeah. psychology. So I, I, that was really enriching uh, getting that degree. Yeah. So coming out of college, uh, struggling with the, with the job market, what was next on your plate? 
Yeah, it was, I mean, that was a very weird time because um, I felt really out of place. Uh, actually, during the entire college career, I felt really out of place. Having, having been, having done what I'd done, flying helicopters and being a warrant officer and, and then, you know, being a freshman in college, it was just, a, it was a very weird time, uh, but not all of it bad. I mean, yes, bad in, in some way where you, you feel like somebody's parent almost in, in some of these classes, yeah. but also I felt so much better equipped to, to deal with, um, to deal with uh, to the situation. Yeah. There was a lot of studying and I mean, like any college and there was also a lot of other extracurricular activities, mm-hmm. but I always knew like, and I don't think I've ever shared this with anyone before when I would, I would start a class and within the first week or maybe the second week, I would literally have a plan of what am I going to do to most efficiently spend my time to ensure that I get a good grade, uh, that I approach the material in the right way, but I don't do it in a way where I waste, I don't spend any extra time on this course than I need to and mm-hmm. still be successful. And by the first week or two, I had each, every, every semester, I had each one of my courses, I had the whole map planned out. I knew what I could miss, what I needed to do, where I could go, you know, they give you the syllabus, you learn the teacher's personalities. And uh, except for one time, uh, I was, it was a very successful approach and it really made my, I ended up uh, graduating with a 3.92 GPA. So it was, um, it worked. You know, I had a similar experience uh, right before I retired from the Marine Corps. I, I was like, I want to get, I think I'm going to get a master's in something. I'd always wanted to do it, but it just wasn't really in the cards. And I'm like, I want it to be from a brick and mortar school. I don't want it to be from one of those degree factory places. Um, I wanted it to be 100% online, which was just starting to be available at that time. And I, I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do the degree in. And I thought, well... You know, the MBA is the logical thing, but I knew I was probably going back to my airline job when I retired. So I didn't really need to pad my resume. So I'm like, if I really wanted to, I almost did something in IT, but in the process, I discovered you could get a degree in entrepreneurship. And I'm like, you can get a master's degree in entrepreneurship. And I was like all in with that. And I had a similar experience where first time through college, I was just, I was just doing what I had to do to get by. But I think TTPs, tactics, techniques, and procedures, at the beginning of the class, I, I had it all mapped out how I was going to slay this beast and boom, boom, boom. And sometimes I would, I, you know, like you would do the online test and you, you have to have it proctored by somebody there. And the test was due by Monday morning at nine or something like that. Well, I'd take the test Friday afternoon. I made sure I was ready to go wait. So if I, if back when I was an, an undergrad, just a snot nosed kid, I would have put it off until Monday. I mean, I would have tried, thought, but I'm like, I don't want to ruin my weekend here. So I was taking yeah. the test Friday afternoon and I was fully prepared. And yeah, my, my GPA, I think I may have gotten one B in, in the, in the master's program the whole time, which, you know, not anywhere close to that when I was in undergrad. Right? So that's great. That's yeah. Awesome. I mean, just, it's amazing what some of the, what uh, the military experience and, and uh, some maturity and everything else uh, plays yeah. into that. So, um, yeah. So you ended up uh, doing something in IT at some point. That's well, that's so yeah. Graduate, as you said, the the job prospects are not they're not banging down your door to come teach them philosophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had well, I had so I had a lucky accident happen 
earlier when I was, when I was quite young, I was during the summers when I was 13, 14 and 15, I had my own business and I, I saved some money and I bought a personal computer and just as a do it yourself project, I taught myself how to program. And so I'd always been interested in the personal computer and I understood it a little bit better than most people since I knew how to program a little bit. And so when I got out and I realized that initially I thought I wanted to teach, but then I realized I I didn't want to teach kids. They were just way too hard to teach. Uh, And I thought, well, maybe I could teach adults, but I didn't know what I wanted to teach them. Uh, You know, maybe English as a second language or, and then I fell into a a, a technical uh, learning company, computer learning company, uh, Mm -hmm. teaching software. And uh, they needed a technical instructor and obviously I had to dust off uh, a few things, uh, but I ended up teaching uh, a Microsoft certified uh, course in, in, you know, uh, computer software. Uh, after teaching that course, I realized I don't even, I don't actually don't even really want to teach. So I just went and became a programmer and then, then spent 25 years in IT after that. Awesome. When you hear the name Navy Federal Credit Union, you probably think that it's just for members of the U.S. Navy. In fact, Navy Federal Credit Union serves all branches of the armed forces. They even serve the families and service members and veterans of all branches. I still have the same Navy Federal Bank account that I opened 31 years ago when I entered the Marine Corps. They're experts in military finances. They get you. They empathize with members' lives and go above and beyond to make sure they don't miss out on financial opportunities. When it comes to buying a car, Navy Federal knows it's a big investment. That's why they offer rates as low as 1.79% APR on new vehicles, along with flexibility with monthly payments and terms. And now, when you refinance your auto loans from another lender, members could save and get $200. Get decisions in seconds and start saving with Navy Federal Credit Union. To earn and save more as a member, learn more at NavyFederal.org. Navy Federal is federally insured by NCUA. Credit and collateral subject to approval. Rates subject to change and based on credit worthiness. So your rate may vary. Refinance loan must be at least $5,000 to be eligible for the $200. Terms and conditions apply. All right, back talk with Army veteran Tyson Koska with On Trajectory. So, Tyson, you said your your first venture into the IT world, um, taught some Microsoft certification classes, that kind of stuff, but you decided, you know what, teaching really wasn't for you, so you started learning programming or getting back into programming. Ultimately, what kind of a job did you end up in? Were you, were you just freelancing or did you go to work for somebody? I ended up at a, a small kind of boutique consulting company in downtown Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but honestly, I didn't even have to look for a job. So I was teaching at this comp- computer learning center and I was, I was picking up more skills, more skills, more skills. Ended up just posting my resume on monster.com. Uh, if <laughs> folks, that used to be the, the big. Oh yeah, uh, that was one of the first big ones. Right, right. Oh, I put it out nice. on Monster and literally had recruiters calling me, just really? just calling me and offering me signing bonuses, even when my skill set wasn't a perfect match. It was it was a very odd time back in the mid to late 90s mm. uh, for folks in the IT field. They were just, we were hiring hi, uh, high school graduates, no, no college degree required. Uh, so it was, wow. it was a pretty easy entree into, on, into actually doing IT as opposed to teaching uh, computer software. And then I just continued to learn. Uh, there was also, the company was very supportive of education. So I could take courses and they would pay for them and get certifications and, and just grew over a 25 year period, uh, growing more and more within IT. 
No kidding. And so are you still doing a lot of that or have you completely uh, gone out on your own in the entrepreneurial world? At this point, I've gone out on my own, my own uh, but this is either the second or third time. Yeah. <laughs> it, ha- it hasn't always worked out. Um, well, I, I began the current company that I have, I've actually began back in 2014. Mm-hmm. So we've been around for, for a while. Oh, yeah. uh, I bought it. I created it just literally for myself. It, it was, there were, there were certain personal finance questions that I wanted to have answered and I didn't want to have to constantly update a spreadsheet. So I, I created some software um, and that software helps a person figure out their long-term financial plan and default software said, okay, back in 2018, you can quit your job uh, for one year. And uh, if it doesn't work out, you'll have to go back and get another job. So I did what my software said. I quit and I tried to uh, grow the business, uh, but it was, it took a lot. It was slower than I anticipated. So back in 2019, I went back to work again. And then in 2020, I said, okay, you can quit again. So (laughs) I quit again. So, um, uh, but this time uh, we've uh, been much more successful and and things are going really, really well with that. Yeah. So your, your software on trajectory is, is most, for the most part of personal finance software. That's yes, that's exactly. So it's, it is, it is true personal finance software. It's not software like, um, you might go online and say uh, retirement calculator or something like that. You put mm-hmm. in four or five numbers and then it spits out some number and you go, Oh God. And then you call up the broker. You know, it's not, it's not that kind of software. It is truly meant to help someone, a regular person, not a financial planner or whatever, a regular person be able to figure out a 30, 40, 50 year financial plan with some of the real intricacies. So if, if, if you don't know, you're not super financially literate, you can use it. If you are super financially literate, you can use it. And in fact, we now have coaches and advisors that, that use us to service their clients as well. Yeah. So you basically just created it for yourself, for your own personal use. And wh- when was it where, you know, the, the proverbial light bulb came on? We we're like, oh, I think I might be able to sell this. I might have a product here. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a very defining moment. I had, yeah. I had, as I, as I said, you know, I used to do all this stuff in spreadsheets and then I sat down and at the time I was consulting in New York, back and forth to New York every single week. And I spent a lot of time on the Amtrak train <laughs> and I was working. I took that spreadsheet and I basically created a, a user interface on top of it and where you could like, you could set, you could define out your income streams and your spouse's income streams, and you could define your ex- expense expectations. Like, oh, I, if I want to send my child to community college versus more expensive university or whatever, uh, or you wanted to um, say, oh, I've got I've got contributions that um, in a TSP or four hundred one k or you know whether it's civilian or uh, military. Um, and you could t- and you could literally just click little arrows and toggle numbers. I'm contributing to this account, or I'm contributing to that account, or I'm spending a little bit less here. Or I'm do- and you could see instantly what that does fifty years down the line. Or cha- or and you might put in a. What I did is I put in an expectation. I said, okay, I want to continue this IT gig for you know how how many years? How many years do I need to continue this IT gig before I can say you know what? Forget it. I. I I'm going to go work in a bookstore. I'm going to create a little garden and grow something and sell it on the roadside. Like I wanted to do something just kind of lifestyle. And I could could literally dial that number in. I could see the exact date in the future when I could make that decision happen. And I thought, and it just gave me so much confidence and, and, and it was thrilling to be able to just 
click those little levers that I immediately went to some other programmer friends and said, we've got to make this for everybody. We, everybody needs this. Yeah. So being in the IT business, you already knew, you already had a resources of people to go to and pull them in and start, start making it, you know, usable by anybody. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah. and these were better programmers than I were so they could more efficiently get everything done mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Having the network was real important. So how long did it take you to flesh it out and actually get a, a fully working product? We spent, now we all had day jobs, right? So we were all full-time, mm-hmm. you know, mid-career IT folks. Uh, so what we would do is, you know, we'd work in the evenings. We'd sometimes, they lived up in New York. I lived down in Baltimore. We'd, uh, we'd meet in New Jersey in a roadside motel somewhere and code all weekend. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was fun, uh, but it took us a year. Just to make a, just to make a beta, just to make something that we thought was just barely usable. And then that, that soft, that beta software, you know, we went out to Reddit forums and uh, folks in the fire community. uh, I'm not sure you're familiar with what fire means or should I define that term? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, So (laughs) there's this whole community of people called the fire community. It stands for FI financial independence slash RE retire early. And, um, I've never heard of that. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's significant. Uh, but you have to be like, you know, probably in that mindset or in that community to, uh, to discover it. So, um, but there are resources. I mean, there, there are dating websites for people in the fire community because part of the most, part of the biggest strife in a marriage or in a relationship is when people have different attitudes about money. So the, these mm-hmm. people that are in this, uh, this fire community, they don't want to like have to convince someone that, Oh, Hey, this is the right approach to dealing with uh, financial planning or, or funny. Yeah. money. That's yeah. It's true. pretty wild. <laughs> uh, um, I have completely gotten off the track here. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you, <laughs> you started going out to Reddit forums and mm, places with the fire right. community. And you, so you're basically trying to generate interest and in letting people right. check it out. And, and just to see, you know, because um had no idea. I mean, I knew I liked it. I knew my partners liked it, but we're three guys. And I have to be honest with you. None of us were marketing savvy. We're not sales guys. We're like, we're like engineers, you know, like making software, trying to answer questions. Right. And so we tested the waters. We threw it out there and the beta, um, we got like three, three or 400 people that signed up and were actively using the platform. So we thought, okay, that's good. And so we, we did that for, uh, we did the beta for about a year. Then I think we did like a, a quote unquote official launch, which I don't really know what the difference was between the beta and the official, just adding more features, adding yeah. more functions. And then eventually we started to, you know, we wanted to, we wanted it to be a something that we could all work on together and, and, and take forward. So we started charging some money. So unlike um, tools like uh, personal capital is a very popular tool. that has got some, some pretty nice, uh, easy to use planning tools in it, mm-hmm. but they sell your data. They contact you every week trying to get, uh, they try to get your ad, they try to take all your money and manage it for you. Mm. Uh, and then there's sites like mint.com or, or something that um, helps you do budgeting and some planning, but they're always pitching you and advertising and they're selling your data. We're, we're not, we're just like, we're a tool to help regular people figure out their financial future. So we have a subscri- small subscription fee uh, and uh, that's how we run the business. We don't sell your data. It's all private. You own it, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So what were some of the lessons learned? Like you've, you got a finished product, it's working, it's getting some attention, it's getting some momentum. What were some of the marketing sales and promotion lessons learned? 
Well, I will say that I, so I'm sure you've heard in coming, coming from the entrepreneurial world, you know, that having the attitude of, if you build it, they will come doesn't work. (laughs) Right. right? It's that, that's like a (laughs) mantra. It doesn't work. And I knew that logically, but I still couldn't get it through my head. I still spent, I don't know, five, six years of my life, just listening to the small user base that we had. Um, and making the product better and better, you know, what the community wanted, what I thought was a good idea. And even as my life changed, I mean, uh, for example, you know, when I left the job, I had a 401k and needed to, I wanted to combine that 401k and roll it over into an IRA that I already had. Well, I've realized, oh, I need to build that feature into my software. So as life changes happen, we would continually to build on it. And we tried some marketing, but like I said, we, none of us were good at it. None of us were enthusiastic about it. And we didn't want to just throw money after it because one thing in the personal finance space is you got some really big players. you got Fidelity and Vanguard and you right. know big guys throwing big advertising dollars. So I'm going to be honest with you, we were kind of stuck. And then in 2021, we had somebody, an investor reach out to us and said, we've been watching your tool grow. We love your tool. We want to help you take it to the next level. So we took on investor capital. We sold uh, a very large portion of the business to them. And now they're helping us, the three little engineers, they're helping us grow the business in the right way with marketing proper channels and, and, and that sort of thing. So I stubbornly didn't really learn how to crack the marketing uh, yeah. uh, game very well. Well, I mean, sometimes the lesson learned is that's not, that's not your sweet spot. So don't, don't try to learn it because you, you built a viable product. So why not, why not have somebody else do that? That's really good at it. After giving equity to the investor and bringing in capital and everything and letting them take it and run with it. Did you, once that happened, did you realize like, Oh wow. Yeah. Okay. These guys really know what they're doing. Like, uh, Holy, holy oh yeah. Cow, holy cow. Oh, yeah. What have I been doing? I realized, <laughs> I realized like within a week or two, I was like, Oh my God, it would, I would never like, he, never would have thought of that our one. lead investor is <laughs> super sharp, wonderful yeah. guy. And he, he, the way he framed it, the way he talks about it, the way he is positioning our future. I'm like, Oh my God, you've blown my mind. I didn't realize the potential that it, that was here until he helped put all these pieces together. So cool. it's really exciting. It's super exciting. Yeah. Like I'm real curious about that. Like, like, can you go any more? You have like some examples of, of I what can. they yeah, did I mean, or like, I cause that, that's I, a really cool thing. I can't get cool super thing. proprietary. But right. Can, but yeah, I can, I can it's a really a cool thing of- to be sitting on a golden goose, not really know for sure what you got. And some other guy comes in and goes, I don't know if you realize this, but this is what you've got and this <laughs> right. is what we're going to do with it. So that's right. pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I can a little bit. So, so I've always been focused on the consumer, on the personal person sure. who wants to uh, uh, check out their financial future and, and be able to navigate it. That's my thing. It's why I made it. That's what I love to do. I love to solve that problem. Mm-hmm. But he helped me realize, hey, you've got all these people that are looking to solve these problems. We've got an industry where nobody owns their data. We've got the mint and the personal capital and we've got the fidel and 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 you've got, even got advisors that that once they take your data, they own your data. The consumer can't take it with them. They can't use it to get a second opinion. They can't they can't cut somebody off. They can't say, "You know what? I don't I don't feel comfortable with this relationship anymore. I want to go someplace else and take their data with them." Data portability, data privacy, 
and frankly, a data marketplace where you could, you could empower the consumer to make a decision and say, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to give you my data for free. And then you make money off of it. Maybe I want to make some, some money off my data. I want to own my data, throw it out there. And you know what? Maybe I'm interested in, in refinancing my home. I will sell you the opportunity to pitch me to refinance my home. And so get, really? and so uh, uh, have a marketplace where banks and lenders and other people can, you can monetize your own data and keep it private. I mean, the idea just blew my mind and yeah, that's, that's what cool. we're working on. And the other thing is we're linking it up on uh, blockchain technology. So it is completely immutable. It is completely non-destructible and you don't have to worry that we're going to pull the rug out under your feet at some point because we get sold to somebody. So it's, you know, it's this very public, public in the sense of we can't just change it, not public in the sense of everyone has access to it. But so we're building it on the latest technologies and we're, we're, we're coming up with ideas that are disruptive to the whole industry. Can you, can you explain a little bit about what you mean when you say we're putting it on we're integrating blockchain technology with it. What is what does that mean? Because a lot of it's, all this stuff is pretty new. I know the, these keywords get thrown around, and yeah. people aren't aren't careful to define them. So everyone's heard of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. Right. Well, they're, they're they're the reason that those things work is that when a transaction is created, it is written to a unchangeable, unalterable sequence of code and no one can go back and change the history. It's if you've got access to it, you can see it. It's verifiable from parties on both sides. It's almost like a contract that cannot be broken uh, and cannot be changed. You can add, you can amend a contract. You can change a contract in over time, but you can't go back and change the terms. And so, so that we're building it on that technology, it brings a, this, this level of confidence and security, but it also brings the ability for the consumer, for the person who, well, I should say, whoever the owner of the data is to turn on and off access to that data. So by, by putting it on this highly secure latest, um, iteration of secure technologies, uh, it, it brings this, this level of privacy and security that the industry just has, has not seen. Because mm-hmm. before now, it's just been data in some company's database. They can do whatever they want with it. They can, there's nothing, there's no, there's no way to verify or, or check the, the calculations there. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's just hidden. It's all black box. This technology allows us to change that. Interesting. Um, I've had a few crypto guys on the show and I've, 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 I follow what you're saying. I still don't completely get it, but that's, that's not why we're really here today. Wild stuff. It, it gets into the math of it and how, and yeah. how these technologies are built. And, you know, frankly, I know enough that I can talk about it. Um, and I have, programmers on my staff that could tell you more low level, but if we go much deeper, we'll both be swimming. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, um, so we're getting close to the end of our time. So how do we find on trajectory if we're interested? Sure. Just on trajectory.com. That's the way. Simple enough. And what are there different levels of pricing involved? What's it cost? So currently we have um, a a free 14 day trial 
and you get everything you could play with whatever you want. And we have a subscription. Subscription is $60 per year, but we are about to, so I don't know when this podcast is going to air, Mm -hmm. but, um, April 18th. (laughs) Oh, okay. Well, there we go. So around April 18th, there's about, um, we're going to be, uh, have a, a permanently free version which is, it's just not as advanced and is, is going to be good for a lot of people. And then we're going to have a more advanced version, but the advanced version, it's going to be uh, priced at $80 per year. But I'll tell you this, Joe, anybody that uh, uh, joins, if the new price has already kicked in, but they heard it, heard about it from your podcast, just write to me, ty, T-Y, at ontrajectory.com and we'll get you the, the old pricing. Awesome. That's great. Okay. Um, last word. You know, you, you've you've made it in the entrepreneurial world. You, you, I mean, you're at the beginning of your trajectory with the business, essentially. But yeah. Things are going great. You know, looking back on it, experiences you've had, success. If you're talking to somebody that's in the military, they're on their way out, and they want in, they want to run their own show, get into entrepreneurship, run their own business. What kind of advice comes to mind? Yeah. So my 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 main advice, and it's and it's the main reason that I even started the business in the first place, is that no matter what tool you use, no matter, um, it could be a pen and paper, it could be a napkin, it doesn't matter. One thing that I, th- I think is really, really important for everybody's life from a well-being perspective, human well-being perspective, is personal finance is something that we very often keep in our heads. We don't, we don't really have a clear idea of what we have, where we're going. We don't even know where we want to go. True. So my advice to everyone is, listen, just sit down, make a plan. It's probably, you know, it's not going to be perfect. It's going to change. Life changes, situations mm-hmm. change. But if you can get the numbers out of your head, you're going to find that you're able to live a much more enriching life because it leaves a lot more space in your head for living in the now, for living with your family, for, for enjoying your spouse and, and, your, and your situation. Because with those numbers up there always clouding your decision-making and always mm-hmm. clouding and questioning, can I do this or can I do that? It, it changes. You, you don't have as much room for living. Get the numbers out, make a plan. You'll have a better life. All right. Sage advice. All right, Ty. Great interview. Hey, uh, look Joe. forward to seeing the success of your business on trajectory and check back with, in with you in a year or so. Well, no, I'll see you at Mill Money Con in a couple of weeks. That's right. Hey, plug for Mill Money Con. We're That's right. Lacey, go Lacey. This episode is re- releasing uh, Monday of Mill Money Con. Um, Lacey Langford is, uh, you've heard her on the podcast a few weeks ago. Yep. We'll both be there. Yep. Awesome. I'll see you. Looking forward okay. to it. All right. These two veterans are Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show... Leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike.